This is Jocko Podcast number 336 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. So we've done a lot of reading and discussions and interviews on this podcast about the strategies and tactics from leadership, from human nature that I've seen or I've seen others use or I've used myself. And, you know, this is something that I've noticed lately is, and this is something I used to see in the SEAL teams. And now I see it at Echelon Front as well, where I, I can sit there and discuss something with someone and think that they understand how to utilize that lesson immediately. So I explain something to someone and I think, oh, okay, cool. You know, they get it now, right? And they'll nod in their head and they'll kind of even give, give me the read back of, you know, what the, what the principle means. And so I think they get it and it seems pretty obvious from my vantage point, but but it isn't always that obvious to everybody. And it can be very hard to see things when you're observing them for the first time. So a lot of times I like to try and show a tactic or a technique or a strategy or a procedure from a different angle, from a different perspective. And that's, you know, in order to try and convey that message to someone from a different vantage point where they maybe can understand it better. And I think I have become biased toward giving someone else's perspective, someone else's example. And I think that bias comes from the fact that I already know my perspective, right? So I already know what I think. So I, I enjoy or I want to give someone else's perspective of a strategy because I find it interesting because it's someone else's because I already know what's inside my own head, right? I already know what's in there. That being said, when I did the first interview I ever did in my life was with Tim Ferriss and he asked me if there's anything that I was world-class at. And of course I said, world-class is a very strong phrase to use, right? And he said, it is a strong phrase. And I, so I told him I didn't think I was world-class at anything, which I still believe I'm not world-class at anything. But then I, I don't know if he reframed the question or if I just kind of reframed it in a way that I could appropriately answer it. And I said something along the lines of, if I had to say that I had some skill sets that helped me, I think that those skill sets would be, number one, being able to take complex things and make them simple. And then being able to communicate those things in a simple way that other people can understand. And then number two was the ability to detach myself mentally and emotionally from whatever situation I'm in. And I believe that allows me to see it more clearly. So those are the two things that I think helped me out throughout my career and that I might be decent at doing. So I wanted to talk through some principles that we reflect on a lot, but in a more pragmatic way, uh, just to ensure, or at least to help everyone put some of these principles to use in our current environment. And, and I've also been thinking about talking about how some of the principles that I talk about apply to what is going on today. Uh, 
this is not now what I don't want to do is do some kind of a current events thing I, oh this is the latest news story and this is because I don't to me that's not that's not gonna last long right people need if you use a current day example that takes some you have to understand the backstory behind this news thing so you can apply it I'm not really looking to do that because I want somebody to be able to listen to this in six years and say oh there's a good there's a good angle I didn't see before and this is gonna help me with my leadership situation that I'm in right now mm-hmm. or it's gonna help me with my life the way I'm in right now or it's gonna help me get through overcome this challenge that I'm facing right now so to make it a little bit more evergreen is the term yep. right Am I using what is it? Industry terminology? Sure. Evergreen. I, I learned evergreen from you. So oh, did know. you? Yes, sir. Evergreen means you can listen to this podcast in ten years mm-hmm. and still make sense. You're not referring to some random, you know, TMZ news story that just came out and and everybody's hype on it. <laughs> sure. TMZ. Hell yeah. uh, but I think we can remain or or maintain the evergreen aspect of the podcast and still put in some some of the current events that are going on right now or at least some of the more outstanding current events and you know some of this i've done on on unraveling with daryl cooper i know we did afghanistan we've talked about ukraine um you know so there's things that he and i hit on that podcast to kind of discuss from from my perspective what's going on with these situations and even those are difficult because they change so rapidly things change so rapidly and I was just having a conversation with about about this with JP this morning about you know he's heard me say a million times that the first report the first reports always wrong and he was you know going through a situation he's like hey is the first report always wrong I said yeah well, let me rephrase that. It might not be wrong, but it also might not be right. Mm-hmm. But you can't just trust. I might need to modify that a little bit where I say you can't trust the first report. Because mm-hmm. if you call me panicked saying, I think the house is on fire, right? Yeah. Or the house is on fire, the house is on fire. I can't trust that. Mm-hmm. I have to put it into my calculus. But look, there could have been a smoke bomb that the teenagers threw through the window and it looks like the house is on fire, but the house isn't on fire, yeah. right? Or the house could be on fire. Mm-hmm. So it could be right, it could be wrong. What I do know about the first report is I can't trust it 100%. Unreliable. It's unreliable. So I might need to gather additional information. Makes sense. So speaking of these topics and speaking of something that comes up all the time and that I call a superpower mm-hmm. is the ability to detach. And this, you know, some people automatically get uncomfortable with that. Because when I say detach, they think, oh, you told me I shouldn't have any emotions at all, right? Mm-hmm. And it is talking about detaching from your emotions. It can also mean physically detaching from a situation. Mm-hmm. But detachment is a superpower. And we'll get to the emotional thing and how much you should detach and how much is too much. I think one of the clearest displays of detachment and how powerful it is. Well, one of them I wrote about in Leadership Strategy and Tactics, my first platoon doing the, the uh, clearing the oil platform. But I had that other situation where I was with Seth and we were, he was, he had taken over as task unit commander. Mm-hmm. And when he took over as task unit commander, he broke his neck. Mm-hmm. Thank God he wasn't paralyzed. So Seth Stone was my, was one of the platoon commanders in task unit bruiser. Now he's took over as the task unit commander and he's going through his pre-deployment workup 
and I'm in charge of training for all these SEAL platoons and task units getting ready to deploy. And Seth doing a shipboarding where you climb up ladders onto ships from smaller boats. The guy, he was the last guy to be climbing the ladder because he's the, the, the task unit commander, so he's not gonna be the first guy on deck, right? Because he's sort of taking a step back. He's supposed mm-hmm. to be detached, so he's gonna be the last guy that goes up. And as he's going up, the person above him, or right, let me rephrase that, right as he was about to start climbing a la- the ladder, mm-hmm. one of the other guys fell off the ladder and landed square on top of Seth's head from a fall of about like 20 feet. And it broke his, broke his neck. His spinal cord was intact, thank God. So now he's in a big neck brace, and he, but he can still walk around, and his, his task unit is now going through our land warfare training, and so he's out there observing because he can't participate, and as he's participating, or as he's observing, and I'm standing there with him observing, and it's one of these crazy training exercises. There's total mayhem going on. There's freaking explosions going off. We're using this high-speed laser tag system. There's dead people everywhere. Again, this is training, so they're not actually dead, but they're, 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 uh, their laser tag system is saying that you're dead. Mm-hmm. So there's bodies strewn all over the place, and no one's moving, and no one's making any calls. It's a total disaster, mm-hmm. and they're in, in a ravine. And the enemy, in quotes, is in an elevated position and they're just tearing up this Seth's task unit. And Seth, he looks at me, he said, can I tell him what to do? And I said, no. I said, just let him figure it out. Mm-hmm. And another 30 seconds go by, more guys get shot with laser tags. Let me, he's like, let me help him. And I go, not yet, another 30 seconds go by, more guys get shot. Mm-hmm. And mind you, his guys are in this ravine. We're actually in the ravine with them. Now, they're kind of prone position or maybe on their knees and we're standing up, mm-hmm. but we're in the ravine with them. Mm-hmm. And finally, he says, more guys get shot. He goes, can I, let me help him. And I go, all right, go ahead. And he grabs a random dude, not a leader, just a random guy. And he says, I, I, I remembered exactly what he said the other night. He said, do I ads, which is, which is the, most broad, <laughs> the most broad instruction to give someone because mm-hmm. no one's making any decisions. And an I ad is an immediate action drill, mm-hmm. which means when you have a play in football, yeah. what's a play in football? Tell me like a play right now a play. Uh-huh. that you guys used to run, that you were a part of. 38 sweep. Okay, so 38 sweep. So mm-hmm. now everybody knows what to do yeah. when you call that. Yeah. Give me another one. 41 sweep. Okay, 41 sweep. Now everyone's doing something a little bit different, but mm-hmm. we're, we're making adjustments. Yeah. So you literally have plays like that. Yeah. And you would say, if you were gonna tell your football team, you'd say, call a play, right? Mm-hmm. What Seth was saying was, do I ads, which is the same thing as saying, call a play. <laughs> yeah. So he just grabs a random dude. And he's like, hey, and some, probably some new guy or one cruise wonder, mm-hmm. like all freaked out because everyone's getting shot. And you know, Seth gets in his face like, do I ads? Mm. And the kid looks up at Seth and okay. Yeah. And he makes a call, whatever, whatever 38 sweep or 41 sweep or mm. peel left, peel right, shift left, shift right, whatever mm-hmm. the call was, this kid actually makes a call. And almost immediately the problem solved, right? Almost immediately they start executing this play and people start putting down cover fire, other people start to move and it solves the problem. Hmm. And as they get out of the area and get out of the kill zone, Seth looks at me and he says, it's so easy to see what to do from way up here. 
And let me remind you, way up here in that situation was simply that we were standing up. I mean, it wasn't like we were in some elevated position. We didn't. We weren't in an aircraft flying round over. Mm-hmm. No, we could just see a little bit more. Yeah. And by the way, the position we were in were, was a tactically sound position. Mm-hmm. So just by looking around and not getting tunnel vision and detaching whatever it is, probably 20 inches higher than the other people because they're on their knees and you're standing up. So you got like, what, maybe two feet of additional altitude? Mm-hmm. And you could see everything. And, and, and I looked at him and I said, well, I said something along. I said, well, look, we're not, we're with them. We're not way up here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're 24 inches above them. And he's like, oh yeah. And I said, but you're looking around, you're detached. He says, oh yeah. And then I said, you remember when we went through this training? And he says, yeah. And I said, this is what it was like for me all the time. Mm-hmm. And he, he had a look on his face of sort of recognition, kind of like, oh dang. Mm-hmm. So all the confusion and chaos that was going on, I was always looking at it like, okay, uh, peel left, you know, shift right, swift, what is it, swing 32. What? It was really easy to make the calls because you're looking at it and you can see it. And that is the, that is the power of being able to detach. Mm-hmm. And it is, you would think that, now this is, where, this is why I'm talking about this stuff right now. Because you would think if I explain that to you, mm-hmm. you go, okay, cool, thanks Jocko, now I'm gonna detach, yeah. right? right? Well. That's what we would hope for. <laughs> yeah. the, there's a problem, mm-hmm. it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. In fact, this can be very difficult to do. So here are some of the mechanics of being able to detach. And some of these are a little bit like training wheels, a little bit like like learning aids yeah, that yeah. once you get good at it, you won't need to do it anymore. Yeah. But you should remember them anyways because there might be some situations where shit really starts going sideways and you have to go back, put your training wheels on and kind of keep put, get it back together. Yeah. So one of the first training wheels is take a step back. A physical step back. Mm-hmm. A physical step back. This is going to change your perspective. Mm-hmm. It changes your perspective. Perspective, and here's here's a little like a little a, a little extra advice. And it's weird to say this. Lift your chin up mm-hmm. and look around. And the reason I say lift your chin up is because. When you lift your chin up, you're, you're, you're changing your perspective a little bit, right? Even if it's only by a half an inch when you lift your chin up. Mm-hmm. You're kind of opening up your, you're opening up yourself. You're opening up to new ideas. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of a fight stance. What do you do when you're in a fight, if you're gonna get in a fight? Yeah, yeah you put down. your chin down, you put your hands up. Mm-hmm. So in this situation, and again, this is, a, this is like a, a non-threatening situation. So if, I, if you're coming at me, if you're like some kind of hostile or unknown and you're coming at me and you're confronting me, obviously I'm not gonna lift my chin up and put my hands down. Mm. That's totally different. What I will do is keep my chin down, lift my hands up, I will step back, I will create space so that I can see more of what's happening because I don't know, you got buddies, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if there's what, what my surroundings have, I don't know if there's weapons available to me, so I'm gonna get my hands up, but I am gonna broaden my perspective. Broaden my perspective, this is, and this is something that we talked about uh, when Andrew Huben was on here. Broadening your perspective, opening up your field of vision mm. truly calms you. It calms you down. So that's, that's one of the steps of detachment. 
So take a step back, lift your chin, look around, and then take a breath, a nice slow breath. Because this is another thing that's going to calm you down. It's another thing that's going to let you get control over your emotions. And this is something that people intuitive know. You remember when you were a little kid and you'd be having a temper tantrum? I've seen it done, yeah. Okay, when your kids are having a temper tantrum, have you ever said like, hey, just take a breath? And this is something even, okay, let me give you a better example. You get hurt or your kid gets hurt and they're, (laughs) right? Yep. What do you tell them? Hey, take a breath, calm down, like take a breath. That's what we tell people to do. That's crazy how you said that example because I was watching old videos mm-hmm. of my son like did some thing he tripped over it was it was a funny video but anyway he at the end of the video he trips over something falls down I was like what kind of hit his knee or whatever and same deal mm-hmm. and it literally played out on the video but I was just watching that video so I was like yeah, and that's so did you tell him take a breath yeah on, yep. the, on the video I was like oh I said breathe yep, I was like breathe breathe, breathe. and he's like he's trying to breathe it's funny. yeah it's a very uh, I mean, very appropriate when Hickson was on here. Hickson oh, yeah. wrote a book yeah. called Breathe, yeah. right? So there's a reason for this. Yeah. And it's it's proven by experience of people that have been in pressure situations, and it's proven through th- doctors who can tell you about the physiological impact of taking a nice, slow breath. So that's what we're doing. This is gonna help you detach in these pressure situations. Now listen, here's another little, like, a note. Let's say you're... Let's say you and I work together and you're pissed off. Yeah. This is a lot different than you and I don't know each other and you're confronting me, mm-hmm. right? That's a self-defense situation. Hands are coming up. I'm still gonna de-escalate. I'm gonna step back. I'm gonna create space, all those things. I'm trying to de-escalate. And by the way, I'm trying to get detached as well. Mm-hmm. Because let's say you know, you bumped into, or I bumped into your girlfriend and spilled drinks on you and now you're all mad. Yeah. Right? I don't know you, but now you're all mad you're coming at me. Mm-hmm. Should I escalate my anger because you're coming at me? or because you yell a swear at me and you you push me, should I let my anger get me? No, mm. I should not, because then bad things are gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Instead, I should be stepping back, creating distance, looking around, getting my hands into a, into a defensive, yet non-threatening, open aspect towards you. Mm. That's what I need to do. Now, if you and I, but, that's in a life threat or a self-defense situation. But in just a normal, you and I are talking and you start getting pissed, mm-hmm. but you and I work together, what I'm probably gonna do as I step back, as I mm-hmm. take a breath, as I, as I broaden my field, I'm, I'm probably gonna just nod my head and let you know that I'm listening to what you're saying. And we're gonna talk more about listening. But that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm gonna do. And and as I wrote about in Extreme Ownership, I'm gonna relax, look around, make a call. That's a, That was the earliest way of me trying to teach Seth how to detach. Hmm. Was me saying, me writing on his Humvee window, hey, things are going wild. Mm-hmm. Step one, relax. Step two, look around. Step three, make a call. That's the earliest sort of version of me trying to convey this <laughs> message to someone. Yeah. I didn't know how to say detach yet. Didn't It didn't compute. I was just trying to tell him the physical act of what to do. Yeah. Freaking relax, bro. Mm-hmm. Look around, see what else is going on. Okay, now make a call. Now, here's the deal on this stuff. You can't see anything when you're in the thing. You can't see anything when you're in the thing. And the solution to the problem isn't in the problem. And look, the, there's a mass shooting that just happened in a school, horrible. I, 
people keep saying, oh, when are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna say about it? I need to see some after actions reports. Mm-hmm. I need to find out what happened. I don't know what happened. There's one of the things that I could tell you as you train people to handle horrible situations like that, you need to teach people to detach. Because if they're not detached, they can't see the solution to the problem. All they see is what's right in front of them. So if you've got a shooter, an active shooter in a building, and you go into that building and you haven't been trained properly, you're gonna get focused on that active shooter. Then if you think, oh, the active shooter isn't an active shooter shooter anymore, it's a barricaded shooter, you're gonna, oh, that's a barricaded shooter. Now I'm gonna follow this other tactic, technique, or procedure. Because you're focused on what's right in front of you, you're focused on that piece of information that you have. And you're not gonna take a step back and go, hey, what's really happening right now? Who, who can give me a report who has accountability for the students? How many students are there? How many are missing? Where are they located? Who's assembling that big picture? You know who's assembling that big picture? Someone that's detached from the situation. Mm-hmm. And it is not easy to train people to do that. It used to take me a while to get a seal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a seal that had been in for five years, seven years, 10 years to get them to be able to, oh, there's mayhem going on in this building, I need to be the one that takes a step back, looks at the big picture, and and figures out what's actually happening. The, the, the putting people through that advanced SEAL tactical training, the primary purpose with the leaders was for me to get them to learn how to detach. And again, at the time, I didn't say it with these exact words. Um, you know, I'd say, you need to step back, look at the big picture. You know, like I would, I was trying to convey it the best I could at the time. I might've used the word detached, but I know I would say things like, hey, take a step back, look around. You need to see this stuff. You need to look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. That was me trying to get these young SEAL leaders like Seth Stone, hey dude, relax and look around. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do. Because once we could get those young SEAL leaders to actually do that, all of a sudden they they could solve these complex problems that we would throw at them. If they couldn't detach, if no one in a platoon detached, no one would solve the problem and they would get slaughtered. If one person could take a step back and say, oh wait, we shouldn't keep going down this hallway or we shouldn't keep moving up this street or we shouldn't keep going up this ravine or we should, we should go backwards right now or we should flank them. If one person can see that, they win. If nobody sees it, they get slaughtered. So my primary goal with the leaders, teaching them how to lead, the first thing they had to do was be able to detach. Now once you detach, then you can see. Then you teach them, okay, here's how you wanna use the terrain. Here's an effective way to maneuver. Here's where you wanna concentrate your forces. Like all those things are great. Mm. If you can't detach, you can't do any of those things. It's a lot harder than it looks. It's a lot harder than it seems. And the hype and the emotion and the energy, it tends to make us not want to detach. And the natural tendency that we have as human beings is to focus on what's right in front of us. This is the natural tendency. That's how we survived as hunter-gatherers. As a hunter-gatherer, you either, okay, if you're a hunter, guess what? You gotta be focused on, you see movement and it's a freaking pig that you're gonna slaughter, kill with a bow and arrow or a spear or whatever, you need to hyper-focus on that thing. 
as an individual human, you need to hyper focus on that thing. If you're walking around and you see movement and it's a tiger, you need to focus on that thing. It needs to become your number one priority. In order to survive, you need to focus. You need to get hyper-focused, and that's what we're programmed for. And there's sometimes, as an individual, you gotta do that sometimes. It's actually a a great thing to have. Mm -hmm. You know, you're walking down the street and all of a sudden a car's coming up on the sidewalk, you focus on that thing so you can avoid it. You think of, you ever seen that, uh, like when they're trying to get a robot to like catch a ball? Mm. It has to do eight billion calculations in .2 seconds to, catch a ball. I don't even know if a I don't know if there's a there's a robot that can catch like a, a fastball from a from a pitcher. Yeah, like there's, a humanoid robot. Yeah, like a humanoid robot. Mm. Even one with the size like a with a with a glove the size of a catcher's mitt. Or like a I can almost guarantee you that they can't make one that could hit a baseball bat. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen one if that's uh, yeah. There's a billion little calculations that have to get made. Yeah. And I've also heard like baseball players when that when the when the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, like they're already predicting where it's gonna be. I mean, obviously they are because they can hit it with a freaking skinny little bat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's times where this is fully beneficial, and that's what our that's what our natural tendency is is to get focused on this thing that's right in front of us. But as leaders. And honestly, in some situations, as individuals, you're going to have a problem if you do that. Uh, and I think I was thinking about this. I don't know if I'm 100% right, but it mostly has to do when you're dealing with humans, when you're dealing with a human threat, because yeah. humans, because humans do coordinated attacks. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like oh, a wolf, uh, uh, you might get attacked by a pack of wolves. Mm. You'll lose just because they all attack you at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you might get eaten by a pack of sharks, but it's not because one distracted you and the other one snuck up. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, There's yeah. a difference between mob attacks, which I think is what most animals do, mm-hmm. and what humans do, which is humans are setting you up like a sucker and flanking you. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what humans do. That's what a that's what like a sucker punch is. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, a sucker punch is like, oh, you're there talking to me, and I'm like, I'll beat you, and boom, my buddy punches you in the side of the head or hits you with a bottle from behind. Yeah. That's what humans do. Mm-hmm. Humans are savages. And so even as individuals, sometimes if you get target fixation, you're gonna have a problem. So when we're in complex situations, there could be an emergency, right? Mm-hmm. Emergency, a, a fire, uh, a vehicle accident. There's a lot of stuff going on. Combat situations, obviously. And you know what else? This is where you make that mental transition. An argument with someone. Yeah. Maybe not even an argument, but a debate with someone. Yes. You ever seen someone get lured in in an argument and just flanked? Yeah. And it's because they didn't detach. Mm. Uh, uh, a few good men. Yes. Right? That whole oh, yeah, thing yeah. is just a big flank, right? I'm going to get this guy so mad and so emotional yeah, the, that when yeah. I ask him this question, he's going to expose himself. Yep. That and that's what true. Tom Cruise does, right? You're goddamn right I ordered the code red. That's exactly what he does. Yep. The colonel in that movie, mm-hmm. Jack Nick Jack Nicholson? Nicholson, yes sir. Jack Nicholson, he didn't detach. No. Nope. He could have seen through that so easily. Yep. He could have been like, no, I, I absolutely would not order that. You, if, yeah. Imagine if he was calm. Yeah. He didn't. That's a perfect example of how we can let this idea bite us. 
So if perhaps, what's the colonel's name in that movie? Jessup. Colonel, if, if Colonel Jessup, maybe if he would have gone through my land warfare training back in the day, <laughs> sure. you would have been like, oh, I'm about to get flanked by homeboy, <laughs> by young Tom Cruise. Yep. Colonel Jessup would have said, actually, no, negative. There's no way I'd give that order. But instead he got emotional, he got flanked like a little punk. Yep. So imagine how much that happens to us or can happen to us. So that's what we have to learn how to do in everything. And here's a little connection I'm gonna make for you. There's a connection between being humble and being able to detach. Mm-hmm. And the connection is, if you're not humble, if you got a big ego, you think you're in the center of the world. Mm-hmm. Right, you think you're you think you are the center of the world, and when you think you're the center of the world, you can't see anyone else's emotions. You can't see anyone else's moves. Their moves don't even mean anything to you mm-hmm. because you're just looking at everything is Jocko centric, right. echo centric. Yeah. It's all about me. So I don't see that you're getting mad. I don't see that you're getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to be careful about because. If you think you're the most important thing and you've got that gravity, it's pulling everything in. And 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 all like other ideas, then they, they don't make it. Mm. Other they nothing else can survive this strong gravity that you got. You don't see anything else. Mm. Yeah. What's the difference between detaching and Situation, you know, let's say situational awareness, yeah. right? What's I mean, is there a difference? <laughs> they're, they're. Uh, if they're not the same thing, then they're damn close. Yeah. I, I would say, I, actually, I would, I would say this. Detachment is senior to mm. situational awareness. If you don't, if you're not detached, you're not going to have any situational awareness. Yeah. If you are detached, you will have much more situational awareness. Mm. Detachment is senior because. Not only am I detached so I can see what's happening in the situation, I'm also aware of my emotions, I'm aware of your emotions. Does the situation include everything? Okay, then they're probably the same thing. If we're saying that situation overall includes your emotions, my emotions, our physical space that we're in, yeah. everything that's occurring, if that's the situation, okay, then they're, yeah. they're probably pretty close to the same thing. Mm-hmm. I, I generally think of situational awareness as to being what's our physical yeah. thing that's happening. But it's not too much to different to say, oh, Echo's a, a, a possible attacker. Yeah, yeah. Is he agitated? Yeah, exactly. That would be situational awareness. Oh, right. I can see he's frustrated. I can see he's, his fists are clenched. Yeah. Okay, that's all situational awareness. Yeah. So they're, they're really similar things. But I, I think, I still think detachment is a senior element. Yeah. Because if you don't have detachment, it ain't happening. You're not going to have situational awareness at all. Yeah, it feels like most of the times anyway that you bring up detaching is when you're kind of in when the chaotic situation kind of already started, you mm-hmm. know, where it's almost like I guess you can constantly be detached, though, right? I mean, not completely, like how you said. I mean, you yeah. know, every time I hear, heard you explain it, you're like, don't go too far with this thing, mm-hmm. right? You don't care about nothing or whatever. But uh, seems like detaching when I imagine it, I guess, is yeah, when something like happens mm-hmm. to kind of escalate or whatever and then it's like okay then you should kind of detach or whatever and you know what mm-hmm. good point check this out the the black belt 
he's likely not even going to get the situation to a point where he has to detach because he's already detached and he sees it coming and he doesn't have to worry about it because he already outflanked it. That's the game. Yeah. That's the game. That's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Unless he's going up against another black belt. Unless right. he's going up against he's another black belt. Then thus begins the psychological game within the game. Yeah. And then you end up in straight jujitsu yes. where how many moves ahead mm-hmm. you know, am I yeah. to you? Am I five moves ahead and you're only four? I'm going to win. If I'm five moves ahead, but you're seven, you're going to win. That's what's happening. So there is a connection between the more self-centered we are, the less the rest of the world matters, and therefore it's hard to step outside of your own world. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, that seems accurate. You you know, uh, for instance, a little kid that loses their temper. Yeah. Why is that? Because they're they're the whole world. In the store. In the store. They don't care about anything else. They want that freaking ice cream cone. Yep. That's what's that's what's up. So they don't care about anything else. Yeah. And they're not going to be able to detach at all. Yeah. And they don't care about anything else. That's when so the the younger you are, you're really important. Yeah. So we have to be careful with that. Here's another little element. Detachment is what actually allows you to think strategic. It's what actually allows you to think strategic because the the definition of of what I started with of saying, hey, I'm worried about the person that's shooting me right now, mm-hmm. that's short-term thinking. Now, do I have to focus on that right now because I'm getting shot at? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. The minute I eliminate that threat, I better take a step back and look around and get my platoon into a position where I don't have to worry about threats so I can see where we need to go next. Mm-hmm. So. Unless we are detached, unless you take a minute, you know, if you're in business and every day you show up to work, the phone's ringing, the emails are coming in, you're solving this problem for a client, you're dealing with operations, you're dealing with sales, you got all these problems, you're, you're just, that's what you're doing all day? Mm-hmm. Cool. But you're not detached. And therefore, you're thinking about tactical things that are right in front of you. And you might win the day tactically, but you look up in six months and you've you, you got some issues because you didn't order enough material for the next project and you didn't hire enough. Like all these problems are happening. Strategic problems are happening. Mm-hmm. So unless you're able to detach, you're not able to think strategic. Mm-hmm. So think about how this impacts your life. I mean, this is, this is you know, from you, Echo Charles, you, you've said before to me that the most important thing that you've taken away from hanging out with me for the last however many years is thinking strategic instead of tactical. And the way that translates to the civilian world is you think long-term instead of short-term. And I agree with you. And we have a, uh, you've heard me say before, and you pulled a clip from one of the uh, musters Mm -hmm. where a guy asked me, you know, how often should I think strategic? And I said, you should think strategic all the time. Yeah, you said it different, but yeah. Yeah, I I was a a little more amped at the time, but if you can't detach, if you don't take a step back, you are not thinking strategic. Yeah. That's why this is like a superpower. Detachment allows you to not focus on the short term. It avoids tactical thinking. Now, it also avoids you getting emotional and making bad decisions because that's when you make bad decisions. Are you guaranteed to make a bad decision when you're emotional? No. But, <laughs> I mean, there's a real good chance. Pretty reliable. Yeah, it's pretty reliable that an emotional decision is not the best decision. It's pretty reliable. Now, does this mean I'm sitting there saying, and for everyone that's you know uh, out there going, oh, you know, he's saying you shouldn't have any emotions. That's actually not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, 
you shouldn't let your emotions run mm. your decisions. Yeah. Control over your emotions does not mean not having emotions. Because emotions are important, as important. we like to say. Yes, sir. <laughs> emotions are important. Um, my emotions are important. My team's emotions are important. My boss's emotions are important. The competitor or the enemy emotions are important. And I, okay, how can they be important? Well, if, I, if you're mad about something that you need to do, are you gonna do a good job when you do it? If you work for me, mm-hmm. are you gonna do your best job? If on the contrary, if you're super excited about something, are you gonna do a good job? Mm. Yeah, what if you're my enemy and your morale is low and you're emotionally drained? Is it gonna be an opportune time to fight you? Yes, it is. Yeah. What if you're, what if I've done something to your people and now you're mad and you're gonna fight with vengeance, you're angry, is, is that a good time for me to attack you if you're my enemy? No. What about my boss? My boss is super angry about something. Is now a good time to present a new solution to it? No. Is that like the old classic, um, don't tell your wife to calm down? That is part of the classic, don't tell your wife to calm down. Because like, yeah, she's not, she's emotional, whatever, yep. Yep. or and vice versa. Yep. I, vice this versa. isn't, a, you know, but the, uh, yeah, when you say, hey, calm down. That's not a good move. <laughs> That's not a strategic move. So you can see how emotions play into each one of those elements that I just talked about. Yeah. So I have, oh, and by the way, I have to know my emotions too, right? If I've got some massive task and I know I'm already drained or angry about it, if I've got some delicate, if I'm mad at you and yet I've got to go and discuss a project with you yeah. and I'm already mad that you didn't do something, is that a good time for me to go in there and talk to you? No, it's not. So what I need to do and a way to think, the emotions our own emotions and other people's emotions up, down, and across the chain of command need to be in the calculus of our decision-making. That's what I need to do. And a lot of times, in current times, this is 2022, we don't take other people's emotions into our calculus. So you have to measure You have to measure if and how what you are going to say, how it's going to impact your family, if it's going to impact your family, your team, yourself. You have to measure that. Is it going to make them angry? Is it going to make them upset? Is it gonna make them lose motivation? Is it gonna crush their morale? And if you don't put that, if you don't put all the emotional element into the calculus, you're gonna get the wrong answer. And by the way, you won't be able to assess any of these emotions if you're not detached. Mm. You won't see your own emotions. You won't see other people's emotions. You won't be like, oh, my wife is mad right now because you're mad. So you don't see them as being mad. And even if you do see them as being mad, you're mad so you just get madder at them for being mad. What you have to do is be able to detach and get some level of control over your emotions. So, when, when I talk about detaching from your emotions, I'm not talking about having no emotions. And by the way, if you detach from your emotions too much and now you're interacting with your team, your team just thinks you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's happening. So, yeah. 
Yeah, like you don't care. Oh, yeah. Like that's you don't a big care deal. Oh, that's a huge deal. But like when your boss doesn't care or is distracted or just when you have that feeling is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. Or if you give that feeling to your wife. Oh, yeah. You know, this something is what that's you're talking about to me. This is all you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. It's like the because that kind of is the deal, right? Where you like you, you lit every single list item. Or everything, every yep. topic you talked about mm-hmm. literally has directly to do. I mean, look, some people are not married. I get it. Mm-hmm. But if you are even girlfriend, boyfriend scenario, whatever, that applies to you and your wife. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. It's like the yeah. and, and your kids. So the kids, there's a, you explain. Kids. Yeah. You, the, it's more like, I don't know. It's like it is the same thing. It's mm-hmm. the same format for sure. But and you explain this too, where it's like your kids are going to be different than like other people because. When you have kids, that's a very unique relationship. It's mm-hmm. very unique. They're like you can't, you can't just switch out one kid for another kid. You and see what I'm and make the connection. Yeah. You're so yeah. close to make. What's the connection? The you emotions. Know the, the emotions. emotions. Yeah, the exa- connection. Exactly. That's what right. makes yeah. it. You know, your emotional attachment to your kids yeah. is so strong. It's so strong mm. that you have to be even more cautious mm. in how you. And how you calculate the emotions up and down the chain. So it's kind of like the difference between a muffin and a cupcake. But I don't know the difference between those two. It's the same thing. One just has more sugar in it. Is that the truth? I don't know. Which it's one has more sugar? Cupcake. Get it? Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I guess. The kids have more sugar. They have more emotions. More emotions. Atti- yes. Are involved <laughs> in the equation. But you handle them the same way. Right. Try not to eat them. Yep. 80 to 90% of the time. See what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So you can't see any of these emotions if you're not detached. So go back to the first topic of the day. Take a step back, relax, look around, take a breath, get detached, and then put the emotions, comprehend the emotions, put them into your calculus as you're making decisions, as you're communicating with people, and that's going to put you in a different, put you in a better scenario. Now, here's another thing that you can utilize for detachment which is very powerful not just for detachment but for life and definitely for leadership and that is actually listening to what other people are saying and i've been saying for a couple years now listening is the most underrated skill in leadership and i i I think I have to take it a little bit further, and I was thinking about a good way to explain listening, because listening doesn't just mean be quiet. Okay, Echo's talking now. As soon as you're done, I'm ready to present my ideas back at you. Yeah. I don't know where we did this. I think we probably just did this on a Q&A a while ago, but people have often asked me, what is my process for reading a book? Mm-hmm. And I've talked through my process for reading a book, and reading a book for the podcast, really. So if I'm reading a book for the podcast, I'm going to read it actively. Mm. It's an active reading. I'm not passively. The words aren't just coming into my head and there they are. And No, I'm actively reading the words. Mm. That means I am putting the words into context in my own head. In the story that it is and then how my mind understands that story and what the context in the story is and then how that context fits in my head because let's face it if i'm reading with the old breed there's context to that story to that particular sentence that particular paragraph that particular word there's context around it 
And it's not just a word, and it's not just a sentence, it's not just a paragraph. There's a whole, there's a whole world there that you have to try and understand, this context that you have to have. And then you have to put it into your own context. And look, you don't have to have been in combat to understand or to, or to put your own context around it. You go, oh, these guys haven't eaten for six days. Mm-hmm. Hey, I remember yesterday, I didn't have any lunch, and by the end of the day, I was starving. God, now these guys are at six days. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to really try and engage your own brain and overlay your own experiences on it and try and understand and truly put yourself into other people's perspective. What, what do they know that, that, that I can try and understand? So, so to me, that's active reading, really active reading. And that's what we need to do with listening. Actively listen, actively try and understand what you're trying to say, actively try and understand your perspective. What does Echo know that I don't know right now? How can I actively try and understand what he's saying? And of course, one of the biggest obstacles to truly listening is having a big giant ego. And I think Echo doesn't know what he's talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, hey, Jocko, you yes. know, I always put my arm over, I always put my hips over here on an arm. Like, oh, Echo's trying to give me instructions on jujitsu. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yes. what. Our ego gets in the way because how could anybody possibly know anything more than me? So we don't really listen. And I think, I think that as we look at society today, there is a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. And it turns into mayhem. And here's the thing. Talking, no listening, and therefore no, no bridges, no common ground found, no changes of opinion. People don't change opinion, right? I got my opinion, I'm right, I'm not gonna change my opinion. That's where people are at. Yeah. That's where the vast majority of people are at. Seems like it, yeah. Well, I shouldn't even say the vast, that's where the loudest people are at, I guess is worth saying. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think it's an issue. I think it's it's, it's a huge issue. issue. I think it's an issue for myself, even a lot, like a lot of the it's time. It's an issue for everybody, myself, yeah. yourself, everybody. That's everybody that's in the world. Yeah, is hey, I kind of know the deal here. Yeah, I know this. Yeah. You don't. You're not going to tell me anything that I don't know. Yeah. And and what's horrible about that is, you know, if you were presenting a plan to me for an operation, mm-hmm. and I have a difference of opinion than you, and so I, and, but I don't listen to what you're saying. Are we going to come up with a better plan or a worse plan? Probably worse, yeah. It's gonna be a worse plan. Yeah. Whereas if I go, oh, Echo's presenting a plan to me. Let me truly, actively listen to what he's saying. Mm. Let me see how that fits into the idea that I have. And where's the common ground? And what? Oh, and we got some contradictory ideas? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Who's right? And you know what I actually say? How is Echo right? Mm. That's the biggest trick right there. Yeah. When it comes to leadership, one of the biggest tricks in leadership is how is Echo right? I'm the leader, but how is Echo right? How can I make Echo right? Mm. How can I listen to him? Mm. How can I make him, how can I give him the, the, the advantage here? Mm. Not how can I prove him wrong? I don't want you to be wrong, I want you to be right. Yeah. So 
That's what we have to do. Now, when we listen, just like reading, when we actively listen, we actively read, ask yourself or ask them and yourself earnest questions. Put yourself in their shoes in real life, and this is hard to do. In real life, in real life, truly, how would I feel if I were that person? And you know, sometimes like, uh, you know, Echo, uh, let's see, Echo didn't pay for his phone, he got his phone cut off, right? So I go, what a loser. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, I, he, he's an idiot. He deserves it. Yeah, that's as far. Like, oh, well, okay. If I was in Echo Shoes and I didn't pay my phone bill and it got cut off, I would think I was a loser. That's like my right. perspective. Yeah. Instead of saying, "All right, what's the situation he's in? How did he end up here? What doesn't he understand about the world that I understand? How come he doesn't understand those things?" Right. How, that's what that's what it is. It's like it takes effort. Yeah. Okay. It takes effort to get there. Instead of just writing it off and I put I take my entire world view mm-hmm. and I take your little chunk of experience that you had by not paying your phone bill and I go, "Oh, in my world view, you're a loser." Yeah. That's <laughs> true. It's so true. And so then what what how can I help you? I can't. Yeah. I can't help you. Yeah. I can't help myself. I can't help anybody else. All I say is, "Oh, anyone that does that's a loser." Right. It doesn't solve anything. So that that's what I think is a is a huge a huge piece for us is as a leader and as a person. And look, those two terms for me are kind of interchangeable. I don't know. That sounds crazy, but as uh, this is something that I started saying, I think when leadership strategy and tactics came out, which is. If you interact with other human beings, yeah. you're in a leadership position. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you're it doesn't matter if you're the boss yeah. and I'm the subordinate and I'm the only subordinate you have, I'm still in a leadership position. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I have one peer and we and I don't see you even though you're the boss and I have one peer, I'm still in a leadership position. Yeah. If you interact with other people, you're in a leadership position. Because you're trying to lead them. To do the right thing, yeah. to move in the right direction, and does this mean you're always like trying to influence? Yeah. No, because I might be like, "Oh, Echo's giving me some direction. It seems like a good call. Cool, I'm gonna go execute it. I don't need to like, well, hold on, let me give you my perspective. No, no, I'm yeah. not talking about that at all. Am I trying to build a relationship with you? Yes, I am. Yeah. Am I trying to build a relationship so that I can better support you in the future if you happen to tell me something to do that doesn't make sense? Sure. Yeah, it's good that you differentiate pretty often to the difference between the and what you call the traditional leader, and you know what and what. But what's the other one? You don't have a term for the other one. Oh no, I certainly do. The silent leader. Silent leader. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, you're right. So okay, so in even though you don't talk about that part, we just we just mentioned Mm -hmm. like um, but usually it's kind of like the silent leader is more of like sort of an maybe influencer type, not influencer like how we know influencer <laughs> today, but uh, like, you know, someone who just wa- wants to influence people to do the right, right. thing for everybody, yep. essentially, right? And then the, the traditional leader is the guy who wants to be the boss mm-hmm. and wants everyone to listen to what they say. Yep. Everyone listen to me. Yeah. Which is the opposite of everything I just talked about, which yeah. is I'm saying, if you're a leader, you should be listening. Yes, exactly, right. But I think that even the word leader, and I've said this before, where the word leader feels like it, the like the boss that... Because there are people the like that. Yeah, it the feels trish. like the tradition. Yeah. And because there's people like that. 
Like we all know somebody, at least one person, probably you know twenty people who are like that. Where it's like, yeah, you can tell they want to always take charge. They want, uh, they always want people to listen to them. They always want to do it their way, you know, kind of thing. And you know, for better or worse or whatever, it's. I'm just saying that that's when you think of the word leader. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you think of automatically in one way or another. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's one of the one of the, I guess, long-term campaigns for me as a human being on earth is to convince people and and let them know that even if you're a brand new guy in a SEAL platoon, you're in a leadership position. A brand new guy with no experience, you're in a leadership position. Even if you're a brand new construction worker with no experience, Mm -hmm. you're in a leadership position. Even if you're a lineman out there, you're an apprentice lineman, you have no skills, Mm -hmm. you're in a leadership position. So of the four laws of, here's the thing, there's no escaping. Unless you're a hermit, you're a leader. Right. So there's no escaping it, unless right. you're maybe a newborn baby. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, and this is, this, is, this is what I gathered, mm-hmm. you know, on the, listening to you guys. So you know the, the fourth law of combat, mm-hmm. right? Decentralized command, as we know as mm-hmm. decentralized. <laughs> and the, what, what is that, the tagline or whatever, everybody leads, mm-hmm. right? So even if you are the leader, mm-hmm. designated, across the, you're the boss even. Yep. You're the buy at a company, whatever. You're the dad of the family, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. You are the straight up boss. But decentralized command, which is laws of combat, says everybody leads. So mm-hmm. even the people who are subordinate to you, quote unquote, mm-hmm. they have to lead. Mm-hmm. And whose job is it for, for them to know how to lead? Your job. Yeah. So, so everyone's the leader, no matter if you're the boss or not. Like you can be the new guy, whatever, and most of us aren't, aren't the new guy in a SEAL platoon. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you may or may not know that, but some uh, most of us are not. But like, if you're just the new guy at work, or you're the youngest brother, or you know, you're the, you know, I, I've heard and I have this scenario. I'm gonna call it hypothetical, even though it might not be hypothetical. It's not me. That's true, but it's someone, as some people I know, where the husband feels a little bit, um, what do you call it, like emasculated sometimes. Mm. And not by any abuse or anything like that, but it's just, I think it's like a classic case of, um, you know what you hear, like the husband's always trying to like happy wife, happy life kind Mm -hmm. of a thing and maybe went too far with it. And maybe now he finds himself in a position where he's like, he's just responding and doing everything that the wife says and the wife doesn't seem happy. Mm -hmm. Kind of a scenario. I feel like with this attitude that like, if you understand 100%, 100%, not just like mm, my situation, sure, I guess I could kind of, if you understand 100% that you are, essentially you have the responsibility to be the leader. And I'm not saying be the boss, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. It always feels like that ends up being absolutely correct as far as pro- solving any problems within any interpersonal relationship. So let me just restate you, your your comment there. What you're saying is no matter where I am, in a relationship, in a platoon, in a business, in a marriage, if my attitude is um, I'm in a leadership position, I'm gonna lead through this problem, the silent that, leader that's way. That's going to be a positive thing. Yes, sir. Yeah, you this are correct. Absolutely. Like it's that. That's why at Echelon Front, that's why we say leadership is the solution. Yes, and it doesn't matter what the problem is. Yeah. Uh, wife's not happy. Leadership problem on yeah. on me. By the way. Yeah. On me. Now, look, could can you occasionally get a miserable scenario? Yeah. 
where oh the wife is well there's yeah, probably yeah. and actually what you end up there is if you if you break that down from a leadership perspective you're probably not aligned in your marriage yeah. because that's the one kind of killer there's one that's one killer so when I say leadership is a solution leadership is a solution to all your problems there's one problem that leadership is the solution for but you're not going to solve the problem that is alignment that is, we are not going to the same place. Yeah. So if your business partner is going in one direction, like to a different place, and yeah. you're going in another direction, yeah. and it's a different place, you're gonna have a really, you won't be able to make decisions that are unified. Mm-hmm. If your wife, you know, if your wife wants to, uh, you know, have 20 kids, and you don't want to have any, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to work it out. Yeah. There's no working that out, right? You are heading to a different place. Yeah, you're going right. to a different world, yeah. right? You're going to two totally different places. Mm-hmm. Vice versa is true too. You want to wait? What did I say? Your wife wants to have twenty kids. Yeah. If it's the opposite, it's the same thing. Yeah. You you want to have twenty kids. Your wife doesn't have any. You're going to have a problem. Yeah. It's going to be a difficult situation. You're probably you're not aligned. Yeah. If one person wants to have a software company and I want to, you know, you and I start designing uh, a little computer game thing. And then you say, hey, we should start building these in a factory after we make three of them by ourselves. And I say, no, let's just contract someone to do that. We we should just make the software. Mm. And you go, no, no, we should make the hardware. And I say, no, we should make the software. And if you and I can't agree, we're heading to two different places, we're gonna have two different companies and you need to go do yours and I need to go do mine. So where leadership plays into that is I need to be able to identify where are we actually going? What is our goal? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, in most companies, you can find alignment. That's why people say we're not aligned. I go, oh, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got a company, you know, you got Acme freaking mousetraps, right? Yeah, mousetraps. Echo's got Acme mousetraps. And he says, oh, people on my team aren't aligned. Okay, what do they not wanna be able to make money? No, of course they want to make money. Do they, do they, does everyone on the team want to make money? Yes, everyone on the team wants to make money. Does everybody on the team want to make a good mousetrap? Yes, everybody on the team wants to make a good mousetrap. Does everyone want to serve the client? Yes. Because if we serve the client, we'll sell them mousetraps. So you can usually find, you take any company and most of the, 99, this is a big percentage, 99% of the time, there's alignment. Mm. And in rare 1%, we're not aligned. Yeah. And you actually don't want to ma- make mousetraps. Yeah. Or you don't want to manufacture mousetraps, let's say. I want to build a factory and manufacture mousetraps, and all you want to do is market them, and you don't want any of this factory stuff. You don't want to hire a bunch of people. You just want to get them shipped from overseas. You're not yeah. going to have a problem. Yeah. We're not aligned. Mm-hmm. We're not aligned. I want to build a manufacturing company. You want to build a marketing company. And we're adamant about it. Now look, we might be able to find alignment and say, hey, you know what? If we build, manufacture them and then you market them well, we kind of are on the same page. Yeah. But if your true goal is not to manufacture anything and my true goal is to, we're gonna have a problem. Mm. So alignment is m- the, one of the most critical things there are. In order to get there, guess what? I gotta listen to what you have to say. Yep. And if we're not aligned, we're gonna have a problem. So we gotta pay attention to that. And, and this, this brings me to the last thing I wanted to talk about today. Um, and this is something, you know, I've, 
I, I probably used I probably focused on it a little bit more a few years ago with, with a simple statement that you'll recognize when I say this: free your mind, mm-hmm. right? We had we had we did all kinds of things where I said free your mind. I, I'm gonna occasionally like post like free your mind, sure, because yeah. our mind, our minds tend have a tendency to be closed, and not just to be closed, but to be closing. Mm-hmm. So our, that's the way our human minds are, in general. They tend to be closed and closing. So they're, they're already closed up and they're trying to close even more. Yeah. Why is that? Well, it's safer. Yeah. It's, it's easier. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not learning anything. There's no risk. There's nothing to misunderstand. It's just easier across the board. If I just close up my mind, I don't have to accept anything new. I'm safe here. I'm used to it. Safe. Yeah. We also have our ego involved. And our ego is is keeping that mind shut because I don't want to have to admit that I'm wrong. I don't want to have to tell anybody else that they're right. Yep. I don't want to look like I don't know all the answers, so I stay in my own little world. You know, it's like, oh, I'm a boxer, so I'm not going to do jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Remember those days? Yes. Like, no, boxing, you know, oh, you try and take me out, I'm just going to knock you out. Yep. Remember those days? Yep. Like, it's crazy talk now, but that was a real thing. Well, I don't have to learn jiu-jitsu. I'll just knock you out. Yeah. Oh, okay. How'd that work out, bro? <laughs> but that's a closed mind. And that's ego thinking, oh, I don't need to learn anything new. Mm. I have all the answers. Oh, I got I got that uppercut, son. Mm. And no, look, I love boxing. Boxing is an awesome form of self-defense that everybody should learn how to box. You should absolutely learn how to box. There's two, you know, your your fists are great weapons. You should also learn Muay Thai because your elbows and your knees are good weapons as well. You should also learn wrestling because you gotta be able to, so you see where I'm going with this. But there was a time where strikers, boxers, kickboxers would say, oh, I don't need to learn jujitsu because I'll just knock you out. And that was just arrogance and ego. And and part of it is also might've been just uh, ignorance, not just arrogance, but ignorance. Yeah. Because you think, oh, someone's gonna charge at me, I'll just knock them out. Yeah. Man, it's so much harder than you think. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot to that. There was there's a thing called sunk cost fallacy. Oh, for so, sure, for sure. So yeah, the, and that's what Horian Gracie, one of the yep. great founders of Jiu-Jitsu, um, the, that's what he would say. Where it's like it's a re, it's a painful realization when you realize that you spent twenty, sometimes thirty years at mm. this in in effortful, just yep. hard work. Yep. You know, doing Training this hard. art. Yeah, and then. Without it being proved to you, like you're not going to admit that it was a mistake. You just can't do it. You have too much invested right, in, right. in it. You know. Yeah, that was that was a very. You want to talk about a very hard thing to have happen to you. Yeah, is you've been training whatever martial art, whatever, and they, they use this. Do they still use the term traditional martial art? Yes. So yeah. you've been training a traditional martial art. Take your pick for 24 years, and like you said, hard training. Yep. You've memorized the kata. Oh, yeah. You've done the drills. Mm-hmm. You've done the 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 sparring even. Yeah. And then so you're you're 20 years deep, 25 years deep. You've competed even. Yep. Competed. Yeah. And you've you've knocked people out yeah. and stuff. And you've won. You've been a champion. All these things. And then all of a sudden someone comes in and says none of that's going to work. Yeah, in a, in a and by the way, it's it's gonna work. What I do is gonna work ten times out of ten. 
Like that's what that's what my percentages are. So you're a you're a you're a boxer, and I'm a jujitsu guy. I'm gonna take you down and choke you ten times in a row. It seems unbelievable, right? They go a hundred times. Maybe someone gets a gets a puncher's chance, and someone gets knocked out, right? But I can I can law of averages say you're a hundred percent boxer, and I'm a jujitsu guy. Mm-hmm. Ten times out of ten. So if you you and I go okay, cool, let's go again. You try and knock me out, you're getting taken down, you're getting choked. Let's go again. You're getting, you try and knock me out, you're gonna get taken down, choked out. That's what's happening. So that was a really hard, hard fact to face. Yeah. And it happened, it happened across the country as jujitsu blue belts. Yeah. Blue belts were dojo storming. Like walking into, walking into a traditional martial arts studio, I'll take anybody in here. Yeah. And then double leg, double leg, you know, cross-sided people even know what the guard was it wasn't like they were getting in the guard they were just mounting and choking yeah yeah and that and that was kind of the especially i mean nowadays is different because it's totally different you know like and here's kind of in a way it's kind of more the same though right where we're okay so you look look at the ufc right the Mm -hmm. pinnacle of like nowadays it's not ufc one is different than ufc now oh so (laughs) ufc one was this art style versus style. Yeah, this style versus this style versus actually, style. you know what? You're right. It wasn't just style versus. It was art versus art. Yeah. Because even in jujitsu, we have different styles of jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yes. So it was literally a jujitsu practitioner right. against a boxer, right? And or a wrestler against an aikido guy. Yeah. Or whatever you name. And it. it was art yeah. against art. Oh yeah, and, and keep, they didn't even really calculate the fact that there's a huge difference between. Somebody that wrestled in high school, somebody that wrestled in college, and somebody that wrestled in the Olympics. Or someone that did judo at the judo club, someone that did judo in college, and someone that did judo on the Olympic stage. There's a huge difference between, but they didn't really calculate that. Yeah, not really. Um, And and I guess I'm just maybe speaking on what actually played itself out, right? Mm -hmm. So UFC won, and before UFC won, there was Gracie in action, the Gracie in action tapes, right? Which was essentially, one-on-one challenge. By the way, I have James's. James, if you're out there listening right now, I have your Gracie in action tapes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, and if you don't know what that is, what it, what it is, is is essentially um, guys would come in doubting the this new jujitsu thing. Mm. Um, they're like, oh, I would beat them, you know? And the Gracies, they would say, yeah, you can come and challenge any one of our yep. guys or whatever. And, and then after so many people responded to that challenge, they started taping it. And they would just beat these guys up. Mm-hmm. Not bad. It wasn't yep. a bully situation. It was literally like to prove to them that, hey, this way is better at fighting. That's mm-hmm. it. It's not like, yo, we're going to kill everyone or nothing like that. So just time after time after time. And then if you see it, um, you can see the guy. And this is on a bunch of them, too, where the guy would be like, oh, um, like almost like he, he's saying that didn't count. Yeah, let's like go he again. didn't get it. Yeah. I, I, I have personally experienced that. Oh, yeah. That's a common thing. Yeah. I was lucky because I was doing jujitsu kind of like legitimately doing jujitsu before it was popular at all. Yeah. So I kind of had some of those Gracie in action experiences where guys were just confused. Yeah. Like just legitimately. And I found that usually three or four submissions before they even start to comprehend what's happening. Like yeah. the first one, they're just baffled. Yeah. You know, you, you're going against a wrestler, you're going against a boxer. Wrestlers would get especially confused because it just didn't make sense of right. what just happened. Yeah. Like a boxer, I guess a boxer would be so confused. 
They're like, wait, what are we doing on the ground? Yeah. What? Why am I down there? Is this fighting? This isn't fighting. Yeah. How can you knock me out when we're? Oh, they just you just got your arm broke, or you just got tapped out. Yeah. Wrestlers would be it would be confusing to them because they don't even understand how these body positions that they've learned and that they've won and that they seem to have so much control, all of a sudden they're not working and they're getting tapped out. But yeah, so like the first submission is total disbelief. They're like, it's confusion and disbelief and then, okay, let's go again. Because they think, oh, I I will keep my, uh, I won't let them grab my arm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they don't let you grab their arm and then you choke them. Yeah, and that's how how Horian describes it. Um, in those, in a lot of those videos, is it's like you can't, they can't accept it, right? So they're, so they'll be like, oh wait, I just need to go harder. Like I maybe was taking it easy on him. Maybe I got to focus a little bit mm-hmm. more. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. go faster, go harder. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but just like how you said, if you don't know jujitsu, if you don't know the positions, you're just sort of on the ground. Yeah. Like you don't know. Like even like the difference between guard and half guard, if you don't know what any there's of that nothing. even is, you, there's no difference. There's no difference between guard, mount, nothing. There's no difference. You will anything. not remember it. You have no You'll idea remember, what's happening. If you're on the bottom, you'll remember versus if you're not on the bottom. Okay, yeah. you, there is that. But in jujitsu, that part doesn't matter as much. You see what I'm saying? So it's backwards almost yeah. if you know jujitsu versus if you do, if you um, if you don't. So these guys would be just confused the whole time, and then all of a sudden they're getting choked, and then if you don't know how it happens, you just like oh we just sort of wound up like that. So it seems kind of like a lucky position. Yeah. We fell on the ground it was a scramble and he yeah. just you know ended up that way meaning meanwhile since they know they knew jujitsu they're methodically specifically placing these guys in this position then this position then this position then they can joke and then they do it every like one time after another and after yeah. another no and then finally the guy accepts it now and you this is back in the gracie in action days so ufc one you don't have that luxury to be like hey let's do it again yeah but still nobody knew what, what was going no, on what was happening now, keep in mind the difference between back then and today is back then no one knew jiu-jitsu at all. Yeah. They only knew their karate. They only knew their, um, you know, kickboxing. They, they only knew their art. Mm-hmm. Now everyone knows everything. Yeah, it's totally In different. one way or another, like if you yeah. say, oh, hey, yeah. show me Mount. Probably, of course, Mount, that's basic. Everyone knows everyone Mount. Knows. I don't care. This can be literally a karate guy. Yeah. Like remember Lyoto Mashida, right? When yeah. I was like, oh, see, karate does work. And all the karate yeah. guys were like, yeah, for, we were saying this for years. We always knew karate work. Yeah. Bro, Lyoto Mashida's black belt in jiu He's jiu-jitsu. a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Yeah. And, he's, and he's probably black belt level in a bunch of other yeah. things, you know? So it's just a different landscape. That's not the proving ground from for art versus art anymore. Yeah. It's different. Well, even I just made people mad just now, yes. three minutes ago, when I said, well, a boxer against a jiu There's still some people out there that are like, bro, I just knocked this dude out when he came in on me. There's still people like that right now, mm-hmm. even having the the incredible vast sources of knowledge. And again, I, I love boxing. Everyone should train boxing, mm-hmm. 100%. Boxing is a brutal martial art, and it's an incredible martial art. But if you're a pure boxer, and you're going up against a jiu-jitsu guy, you're gonna get choked out. I, I regret to inform you. <laughs> So here's the thing. This is why I talk about opening up your mind. Because even when you choke someone, their mind doesn't want to open up. You cho- then you arm lock them, their, their, their mind doesn't want to open up. Then you foot lock them, their mind still, they're still thinking like what you're saying, they're still like, no. Their mind, this is such a good example of how people's minds, how all of our minds wants to be closed because Our ego's keeping it shut. We want to be in that safe area. We've got the sunk costs into what we've already done and what we already believe. 
And that is a problem. It's a problem for the world. So what we have to do, and I've been explaining this to people for, at Echelon Front, I've been explaining this to people. We actually have to pry open our minds. We have to pry open our minds. You have to be, you have to force yourself to listen. You have to force yourself not just to listen, but to actually hear what other people are saying. You have to force yourself to consider other ideas. And, and honestly, the way that I force myself to consider other ideas is I want to use your idea. That's my goal. My goal is I want Echo to be right. When Echo says, hey, I've got a plan for how to do this, my goal is to say, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Let's use your plan. How can I help you make this work? When my subordinate comes to me with a plan and says, hey, Jocko, this is what I think we should do, my goal is to use it. When you present an idea to me about uh, politics or music or a video, my goal is to say, okay, how can I be on board with what you just said? How can I, how can I support you? And that's what I do to try and pry my brain open because our minds are naturally closed and they are closing. So even when your mind gets opened up a little bit, it's still trying to close back mm-hmm. up. That's what it's trying to do. It's pried open and it closes back up. That's what it's trying to do. And we have to work very hard to pry it open and then keep it open to new ideas. You know how like in regards to like using the other person's plan or you know mm-hmm. like pursuing that as like a as a way. Mm-hmm. How does that how should I say? How does that justify? You know, because you know how sometimes, and again, I'm thinking about maybe with your friends when you're young or, mm-hmm. you know, with your wife or something. And it's like, hey, what are we doing for dinner? Or where are we going to go eat? And then mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Oh, I don't know where you want to go. Right. You get that scenario to mm-hmm. happen sometimes. Right. So how do you reconcile using the other person's plan in general mm-hmm. versus making the decision yourself kind of a scenario? No, I mean, look, just like anything, there's a dichotomy. And if I say to my wife, where do you want to go to for dinner? And she says, I don't care. Where do you want to go? And I say, oh, I'm actually open for anything. I, I had a late lunch, so I'm not that hungry. And I know you haven't eaten today. So you, whatever you want is good with me. And then she says, no, I, I, you make the call. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, how long am I going to do that for? Before I say, cool, sounds like we're going to Raglan's. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's an easy, right? And then she's going to go, I, I didn't want that. Okay, cool. What did you want then? Mm-hmm. I actually wanted whatever. So would it be in a, based off that? hypothetical scenario would it be actually even wiser to have not just maybe like three to four different options maybe pre-contemplated that kind of follow her interests a little bit too yeah yeah uh you know you can you can she's wanting to make you feel like it was your call so then you just say hey how about we go to whatever the, th- the place that you know she likes, and she goes, oh, okay, that'd be great. Cool, we're good, we're good. Yeah. Yes. No big deal. So we're moving on. Because I, I feel like- I don't even want to read that much into this. We don't, I don't want to make well, this into that big of a deal. Well, I feel like it kind of can be sometimes. That's the thing. It, it definitely can be. And not so much the restaurant thing. I'm saying in general. So like, you know how, okay, so here's a common thing in- um, in my household mm-hmm. where, you know, d- you know, it becomes four thirty, five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Right. So here comes Mrs. Charles saying, mm-hmm. Hey, what are you thinking for dinner? Now, usually that's her jam. Usually she kind of, Hey, I'm thinking this for dinner. I'm always pretty yeah. much always going to be like, good. You know why? Because I don't have any preference. I don't want to 
make that decision, I'm thinking about other stuff, mm-hmm. to be honest. Is mm-hmm. it a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. But I am thinking about other stuff. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier for my brain, as feeble as it may be, to not have to make <laughs> that decision. Right. Now, I do understand that sometimes she's in that same boat, too, because she was thinking about a lot of stuff. And sometimes, not all the time, actually not most of the time, but sometimes she doesn't want to make that decision as well. Okay. She'll make the dinner. Yeah. But she doesn't have to uh, think something up that everyone's going to like. And, okay. I, and I understand. Right. So that's a thing. It can be a thing. So sometimes people do just want you to make the decision. Cool. You make one. See, no big deal. Yeah. No, that's, that's not But crazy. I'm just saying. But you got to balance. The, I mean, if we, I you got to balance. I hate to go this hard and spend this much time. But like if my wife says to me, no, where do you want to go? Yeah. And I say where I actually want to go. Yeah. And she doesn't want to go there. I can just look at her face and be like, "Oh, well, that that's a bad call." Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to say, "Actually, I feel like going to name one of her three favorite restaurants, and yeah. then we're good to go." There you go. See, but so, that takes some pre-contemplation. You got to know her. Not really. Restaurant. I don't have like a bunch of different restaurants, no, and, on and, her. or either one of us doesn't have some big list. You oh, know? so you got the. Luxury. The funny thing about my wife is she'll be like she'll she'll stray from the from the lesson learned which the lesson learned to me is the lesson learned to me is mm. i'm going to a restaurant that i already know that i already know what i'm going to get and yeah. i'm going to get what i already know yeah. like that's my that's what i'm doing yeah i'm going to the restaurant that i know and i'm going to get what i already know my mm. wife will sometimes well she needs to relearn the lesson <laughs> which is oh she want to try this new place so i'll go mm-hmm. to a new place with her yeah and then as soon as she takes her first bite of the main course She's looking at me like lesson learned again, right? Because sure. let's face it. Now, occasionally, do you find a winner of like a, like new, a restaurant? new restaurant to put in the mix? Sure, yeah. you could find that new restaurant to put in the mix. Yeah, but it's not very. What, what do you okay. mean? What no, do you mean? No, I, okay, okay, okay. I'm not saying whatever. Like that's not true because it's probably true. But I'm saying. What do you mean? It's probably true. Is, <laughs> How often do you go to a restaurant? You're like, oh wow, put this one in the mix. Me. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But that if that no was bearing. true, you'd just be going to hundreds of restaurants. You'd have a list of hundreds of restaurants that you'd be going to all the time, because every restaurant you go to is just in the mix now. Yeah. To me, all sushi restaurants, with the exception <laughs> of two, are in the mix. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But my point is, but that, hold on, hold on. There is there a hierarchy? Yes. See, so why if there, why would you not go one of the top three to well, five at the most? Oh, there's there's the hierarchy isn't based on like. How good it is! Though. Oh, then it's, it's based, based on, on other stuff. Uh, it's, like but it's based close on. to my house. Exactly. If I'm getting delivery, maybe some price scenarios, and you know all this stuff. That's how the hierarchy is based. Okay, so the hierarchy is there. So why are you playing around on? Because like, that's not the point. The point isn't what I do specifically necessarily, or what you do specifically, because we're both in unique situations. I think I'm saying generally. What do you like mean? As, we're, as what, far as you don't think there's other dudes out there that go out for dinner with their wives? Sometimes that makes us unique. Oh, that part isn't unique. Okay, what's no, unique? The then? part that you freaking you got your wonder restaurant and your wife is that certain like way that's i think the typical person is more to it than that that's what i think you know i know that i'm not normal right i know I that know. too sir. <laughs> i know so i know that it's not normal to just be like oh i want to go to the, the same three restaurants over and over again and get the same exact food by the way yeah i do the same thing there's so rare that i have the i can't even remember the last yes. time i thought to myself oh it'd be great to go out and try something new okay so well, I, there's probably some psychologist doing an assessment right now as I'm talking and figuring out like, oh, he's got fear of whatever. 
and I don't think so. I think I just when I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna invest, like I already don't want to get in a car. I don't want to drive somewhere. I don't want to go wait. I don't want to put on shoes or whatever. Yeah, I'd rather just be barefoot, right? So why are we doing this? Well, we're doing this because whatever. It's a good night. You know, my wife doesn't feel like whatever. We didn't. Whatever. She doesn't feel like whatever. Okay. So we're so, going to go out somewhere. So I'm going to go somewhere that I know. Yeah. That's cool. Then. I'm going to get something that I already know. Good for you. For real. It's unusable for the typical person is what I'm saying. Hey, let um, me ask you this because I don't eat sushi. How much variance is there? In, what, in sushi like quality? restaurants? Yeah. Quality, oh, yeah. quantity. Yeah. Big variance. So, bro, how can you say that you're not like you got your top three? Because the variants, I don't care that much about. Okay, how often are you like, oh, cool, there's there's another one over here. Let's go Let's go order from that one we've never been to before. Not for the purpose of that it's new. So I agree with you in that okay. scenario. But okay. so. this is what I am saying, though, where let's say, okay, have you ever heard of the concept, the idea, I know you have, by the way, of... Someone say, hey, let's try something new. Hey, we oh, always yeah. go that's there. My let's wife go all, somewhere. That's my wife that, all day. That's a lot of people's wives. And that's my point. So sometimes they want to try something new, but cool. they don't want, but sometimes I, they don't want that beef of that decision. They want you to make the decision. Oh, yeah. So, no, and so, so, so sometimes just for the, just for the sake of it, just to get some leadership capital going. Yes. Hey, let's try something new. We went to a joint the other day that was new. And you know what? It was all, my wife. My wife was all excited. Yep. Like we got in a car. Yeah. We drove somewhere. Okay. And she was EAE man. EAE. <laughs> <laughs> what is EAE? Again? Everybody's all excited. Everybody's like <laughs> so she was EAE on this, yeah, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we went up there yeah. and we got in there and yeah. it was like, it was, uh, it, and it was fine. And and now we're driving back after Mm -hmm. finding parking, after driving up there, finding parking, parking. getting sat down, you know, figuring out the menu and Mm -hmm. and you were driving. Now we're now we drive home (laughs) and I'm like, do you ever want to go back there? She's like, no. Yeah. So but, think about that, bro. But that doesn't mean that it was it's a it bad was way to think. It's a great adventure, right? Well, okay. So, so so basically you're hitting me. What you're hitting me with is yeah. I need to open my mind. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's <laughs> true. You should use that as a flank. You could flank me right okay. now. Tell me, Jocko, you know what? You just need to open your mind. You need to pry your brain open and get some more different food. Okay. Well, I at this point in my life, I'm very uncomfortable telling you what you should do, Jocko. I need help. However, no, I'm da- I'm actually with you with the uh, same restaurant, same exact thing, bro. The sushi restaurant that I call, mm-hmm. pretty much every time I get sushi, unless it's the days that they're not open, literally, and this is literally, I'll call. They know my phone number oh, on the sure. caller ID. It doesn't even say Echo. Uh-huh. It just says my number. Yeah. Oh, hi Echo. I say I want this. I want this one. This and they're like, yeah, like they know, like oh, no cucumber on this. They they yeah. know the the thing. In fact, there was a new girl there. She's not new anymore. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jocelyn, by the way. Um, and she'd be like, oh, uh, she took my order, got it wrong. The sushi chef got it right on his own. Mm-hmm. That's how insane feel stuff. like you made it in the world because of that right there. <laughs> you said that with a lot of pride, bro. You're like, oh, a lot of pride. That is not the point. The point is I'm with you mm-hmm. on the whole. I go the same spot and I get the exact mm-hmm. same thing every single time, 100%. My, my question was, which you answered, by the way, with your, your, uh, your anecdote is – Sometimes, you, sure, as a tradition, not traditional, as a silent leader, mm-hmm. you want to go with the other person's plan. But sometimes they don't want that beef of even coming coming up with a plan. Sure. So you cool. better have we'll a, plan. Up with a plan. No it factor, be, and it better not be the same exact plan. Sometimes. But here's the thing: my wife knows that if she asks me for a plan, she knows where we're going. We're just going to 
You know, we're yeah. going to Raglan. What up? But hey, here's the other thing. We already talked about this. I have to calculate the emotions in the situation. Yes, sir. So if my wife's like, oh, you know, it's been a long week. I really just want to do something nice tonight. You know what that means? Yep. That means she wants to like go to somewhere. Maybe we yeah. haven't been for big risk for me. Yes, sir. I know what I got to calculate my my emotions, mm. which can be controlled. Her emotions, which <laughs> I can't control. <laughs> but also, okay. but also, but also I'm going to look at it and say, oh, my wife mm-hmm. is probably going to be excited if we go to a new venue that we haven't been to before. So she's going to be, it's going to be a positive emotion for, I put that in the calculus. I also have to put in the calculus, like I had, a, hey, my week was good. I'm not that busy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I got some time tonight. I'm not going to be mad. It's so cool. Oh yeah, it's a good night to roll down there. And also if the calculus is, my wife's going to be super happy and I'm going to be super angry. That's no factor because I can just be like, cool. I'm just going to force myself to have a good time and no factor. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it dictate, but I have to calculate the emotions on both sides. My emotions in the calculus barely count. I'm going to say that again. My emotions in the calculus barely count. And I don't hold a grudge. I don't mope around that night. I don't go to the restaurant and say, see, I told you. No. Yeah. Uh, my emotions barely count. What counts is my wife's emotions or my employee's emotions or my boss's emotions. I have control over my emotions. Therefore, they have very little, little say in the calculus. I think I get it now. For real. Okay. Like, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Because it's pretty, if I, if I got this correctly, I'm going to talk it out and make sure I got it. It's pretty, that was pretty okay. genius, I think, what you just kind of demonstrated. Okay, so in my scenario, hypothetical, by the way, where my, let's say, I think my wife wants to go somewhere new, but she doesn't want to think about where to go. She doesn't want to yeah. make the decision. She doesn't want to figure it mm-hmm. out. She wants me to go, mm-hmm. even though I might not even want to go somewhere new. Or maybe I do, but I for, for sure. Now, don't they just go one level deeper? That's two conflicting plans right there. Isn't it? Because her plan is do something new right. without having to make the decision. That's okay. the plan. Cool. Right? So it's like, hey, let's go with that plan. As opposed to my plan would be like, no, we'll go to the same spot. Or no, I don't want to go. That would be my plan. Okay. Right? So essentially, you just went one level deeper where the decision to make the decision is part of the plan. Yeah, it's her that the plan. decision. Yeah, yes. exactly right. I'm so ex- you go with her I'm plan. I'm making a decision on a new place. I'm executing her plan. Her plan. Yes. So it's a win-win. That's that's what we're doing over here. I think I here. got it. Bro. Yeah, yeah. See, you see how nice that works. That's why I come to that's you stuff, for these things. This stuff all works out in the end, bro. Yes, sir. That's the way. It all is. It's all a unified theory. It's a unified. Do you know what a unified theory is? Yeah, it's I like do. the theory of everything. Yeah, all the stuff that I'm talking about. It's a unified theory, and if you pull the thread on it, yeah. you'll be like, oh, yeah. So you are executing her plan, and her plan yeah. was to have you come up with the plan. Okay, so let me just this at is just, a new restaurant. This is just me <laughs> echo telling you, Jocko. This um, the remember how I said like the the number one most valuable thing, not the only one, the number one most valuable thing that I learned from you is essentially the long game yep. versus the short game and yep. how that's in play. Okay, so the re, the updated version of that, which happened a, a oh, while ago as oh, well, we which is, it, it might be just more of the same really, but basically it goes like this: a more unified uh, expression. We'll okay. say. In life, in everything you do, whatever, pretty much, there's going to be a short game being played and a long game being being played. Mm-hmm. Most people, the default is a short game, for sure. Yep. But there's going to be a short game and there's going to be a long game. There's also, with everyday interactions, with everything you do, there's going to be a small picture and then there's going to be a big picture. And I think that bigger picture 
Like that was an example of like, just look at it one level bigger, Mm -hmm. bigger picture Mm -hmm. where it's like, you can't, we're not going with her plan to what restaurant it is. The decision for the restaurant is part of her plan. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And just, just, just kind of FYI saying the big picture and saying long-term and saying strategy versus tactics, all those are interchangeable, Uh, not, not completely interchangeable, but essentially interchangeable. They're different ways of saying the same thing. I mean, when I would talk to one of my guys, I might not say, hey, think about this from a strategic perspective. I might say, hey, you gotta think about the big picture. And I'm not saying a bigger map, right? I'm saying over the longer term. So you're right that it's a different way of expressing the same thing. Uh, And maybe we could find some nuance. Maybe we we will find some nuances on the big picture versus the long term versus the strategy. Mm -hmm. But essentially, they're all meaning the same thing. And they're all a good place to focus. And, you know, with that, um, these are things that we're talking about to apply to really everything that you do in your life, from picking restaurants, to picking employees, to picking plans, to figuring out where you're gonna go in six months and a year and two years, to, f- to figuring out what you're doing with your own personal health, to figuring out everything. And in order to do that, you have to detach. That is the first step that you gotta take. Don't get emotional. Listen to what people have to say. Keep your damn ego in check. It's there. The hardest thing about the ego is you don't know it. It's it's like the air that you breathe. It's there and you don't recognize it until you go, oh, hold on a second. If you start to inhale something that stinks, then you notice it. Other than that, you don't really notice it. That's what's going on with your ego. So you gotta be careful of it. And then keep that mind opened. Because that's that's where you get the new ideas and that's where you figure things out. And if you do that when you detach, then your ability to see will increase exponentially. You can't, it's like if you didn't have, if you had bad vision and one day you put on glasses and you could see, like that is, or or, you know, one day you're, you're walking around and you put some dirty, chipped up sunglasses on that were old and crappy. Mm-hmm. And you have sunglasses like that? Yeah. I got some sunglasses like that. And and you're just wearing them because it's sunny out or whatever, but yeah. there's nothing really that you're doing. You're just cruising. But then all of a sudden something happens where you need to see. Yeah. And you lift up those glasses and everything becomes real clear. Sure. That's like what detachment does. It's a, yeah. It's an amazing, it's a superpower. And it gives you an amazing advantage in everything that you do. So, detach everybody. That's what we got for you. Uh, Echo, it's a good way for us to get our minds right. What else do we, uh, what else we need to think about here? Our bodies. Oh, check. I broke my foot. I don't know if it's broken, but Wait. it seems broken. You're wearing a funny shoe. Yes, yeah, called a post-op shoe. But you Did didn't you? get op? No op, just the shoe. Okay. I think it was like a turf toe gone wild, morphed into more injuries because I've mm-hmm. been doing a barefoot kind of scenario. Yeah. You know, when you work out like squatting, just yeah, barefoot yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I hear okay. good things. Yeah. And it was working out for me. Yeah. Until? Well, I was, yeah, until I was doing burpees on the cement, mm-hmm. going hard. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, when you drop down, and you know, burpees, you can do them different ways. Yeah. But I do the kind where, like, they're almost like sprawls, but I don't sprawl on my yeah, hip or nothing. I just yeah. sprawl. Sprawl. It's just on yeah. my hand, hands, and feet. That's mm. it. Nothing else touches. So, it's Got like there's it. some yeah. pressure. Yeah. The pressure. Barefoot, cement, boom. It hurts. No problem. Was it one impact? You're like, ouch. No. So, it was the, the whole the next day cumulative I was like, work. Yeah. So, the next day I was jammed up. But... I could still do barefoot squats and then the next and mm-hmm. uh, actually it wasn't right the next day it was like maybe a day or two later and bro the next day after that i was couldn't walk mm-hmm. and my foot ballooned up <laughs> and it wouldn't go away bro anyway i'm jammed up a little bit mm-hmm. but it does focus your brain on alternative stuff you know well, so what you've been focused on the nutrition element on the nutrition it's a big deal it mm-hmm. helps with healing way more night and day by the way than sleep um, but yeah, so yeah, boom. That's what's going on with me. Because mm-hmm. I know you're wondering about that. Anyway, so <laughs> there is such thing as uh, 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 exploring just nutrition, but supplementation can be just as important. What's that percentage that people throw out, like on 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 nutrition versus exercise? Like you can't outwork a bad diet. Yes. I, I believe that that's a good except philosophy. for when you're 18 or 19 or 20 years old and you're going through buds <laughs> <laughs> you, forget, you can outwork a horrible diet you can't you just uh, literally eat everything a freaking buds yeah, scenario you can't yeah. out eat a bud scenario yeah. it's not happening you yeah. just need to get your grub on yeah that makes sense that's what you need to do uh, yeah so if you want to help yourself out get some milk <laughs> Get some, which is a protein dessert, really. Yeah. If all well, things my, being considered. In my case, it was uh, additional joint warfare, additional mm-hmm. cr- supercrit oil. That was my protocol. Um, mm-hmm. Mulk, I have been going heavy on the mulk. It does, actually, it jammed me up only with cardio stuff. What? Oh, the, the foot, foot injury. Yeah. 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 So I'm still going hard on the mulk is the point there. Did you... Did you see the little video I posted of the, the new factory down in North Carolina? Yeah. What was your thoughts? What, on the video or about the new factory? The new factory. Well, I know that the video was, you know. Freaking amazing. Yeah. Right? That's what, that's your assessment of your video? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I know. No, 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 I, I don't want you to sit here and be like, well, you know, your angle on this shot over here. <laughs> I could add it to Yep. Well, so no, I, no, I don't want your professional assessment of the video uh, there, freaking. So I watch. Um, so I think so. There's a, this guy named Jake Tran. He's a he's a guy who makes these really cool little mini like documentaries almost uh-huh. on YouTube, and they, he he talks about like conspiracies and money and corruption and stuff. Uh-huh. Like that. It's really interesting, Jake Tran, and. So I go into rabbit holes every once in a while with his videos. So a lot of times he'll talk about things like um, foreign corruption or like that's where I got mm-hmm. the um, actually it might have been from one of his videos. I'm not sure. I forget. But where I got the expression uh, uniquely priced labor. Oh, OK. So you get like, you know, like and I get it, man. You want to, you know, you know, buy something kind of cheaper and bring it, you know, and sell it for more. Right. And a lot of times part of that discounted price is slave labor the cost of making it <laughs> exactly. slave labor bro. exactly right you know do we do they say that when you're making your order from china or no, whatever do they say hey um you know like here's all your, the, your list items oh labor uh 
10 cents a day. You know, like it doesn't say that kind of stuff. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Let's face it. Mm. But yeah. So when I watch your video and a lot of videos, actually the origin HD stuff, it kind of like goes to show like, oh, okay. It creates this bigger picture in your mind about what's really going on. Like you don't, that guilt. And I'm not saying everyone feels guilty about (laughs) slave labor in other countries, but when you think about it, man, it does warrant some guilt as far as feelings go. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, when you see like, yeah, how you guys, you know, origin and in that video and a lot of other videos, it kind of, it does make me think about that a lot more. Yeah. And, and you know what else is an interesting thing to think about is the environment uh, I was watching something. Oh, I was, I was watching Rogan the other day, and I forget who he had on, but they were talking about seeing the rivers, like a river in China, and it's dyed blue. It's like blue from making denim, and they just dump the chemicals right into the <laughs> right into the river, and, and you can't live there because yeah. it's so awful Damn. and polluted. And so, yeah, that's why that's why we're doing this, man. That's why we're doing this. Uh, so. And it was cool. The thing I liked about showing that factory, and that was my first time getting to that factory, and the thing I, I liked about showing it is I think it's a good opportunity for people to go, oh, oh, I people are starting to understand what we're doing, mm-hmm. why we're doing it, knowing that it's good for the workers, good for America, good for the environment, good for you as a human. So originusa.com. Get yourself some gear there, and and you'll be stoked. Oh yeah. So, also speaking of gear, Jocko's store. It's called Jocko's store. Some new stuff on there. Discipline equals freedom. Good. Uh, we got the and don't forget about the shirt locker. Mm-hmm. I talk about this all the time, but it is. A th- there's some cool. If you're on YouTube, this is a, a newer. Yeah. Well, you know what this is. That's GI Joe, right? Yes. But yeah, so they're a little bit different kind of designs, but you get one every month. Yeah. And if you can see the layers, I think that adds to the to the experience. <laughs> adds to the hype. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The What's that? Jocklestore.com. Get some of that. Uh, also, we have the Jocko Underground. We have to have that. We have to have the Jocko Underground because, look, we don't control whatever platform you're listening to this, unless you're listening to it on Jocko Underground, which you can do. Then we don't control the platform. We don't know if they're going to censor. We don't know if they're going to insert ads and force you to listen to an advertisement so that they can make money. Involuntarily. They make money off of us and you. Yeah. And that's not good. You don't need to do that. Don't let them make money off of you. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so, yeah, we don't. And, and we don't know if they're ever going to just pull us off because they don't like us because we said something bad about whoever. Mm-hmm. We said so we don't like slave labor. Well, they want to protect slave labor, so they pull us off the platform. So, jockounderground.com, $8.18 a month, and you get this. Plus, we do a, like additional podcast on there talking about things that are, let's say, Jocko podcast adjacent. Adjacent. <laughs> Life advice and tips. You know what? Would you consider this? Cause this is what I kind of thought. You know, like you'll talk about like a topic, mm-hmm. a thought. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of the, uh, it's like a book called Deep Thoughts. It's more of a comedy I it book. it was a joke. Yeah, Deep Thoughts like a, is like a thing from Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah, and then there's yeah, yeah. a book. There's oh, an okay. actual book. And it's just, it's that, but it's a bunch of them. And they're pretty like, some of them are like, okay, that's funny. But some of them are like, oh, yeah, huh. And, you know, you kind of, but these, a lot of times, the beginning of Jock, the Underground Podcast is, is Jocko's Deep Thoughts. That's interesting. I didn't really thought of that. So I don't think like, it is at all. <laughs> I think that's what, what I think they are is like topics that I come across where I think, ah, you know, that'd be cool to talk about for a, for half an hour or I learn something that I go, oh, this applies to a lot of different situations. Yeah. 
I, it's not really Jocko podcast, but it's a little underground activity. So there you go. That's uh, jockounderground.com if you want to check that out. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, Origin USA has a, 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 a YouTube channel as well if you want to check out what's happening. And uh, Dakota Meyer, he's got his thing. Flipsidecanvas.com if you want to get something cool to hang on your wall. I've written a bunch of books you can buy. You can read them. You can ask questions. You can ask questions about anything on extremeownership.com. We have a, a, a place to learn leadership and a place to learn about life, really. I'm on there one, two, three times a week live, like a Zoom call. Well, it's not like a Zoom. It's a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. If you want to ask me a question directly and you want to have a full interaction, like, hey, explain the situation and explain what you've already tried and explain what this one Fred is doing and saying to you, you can work through all that stuff with me. Go to extremeownership.com for that. And also we have a leadership consultancy. Go to echelonfront.com for that. And also, if you want to help service members who are active and retired, you want to help their families, you want to help Gold Star families. Mark Lee's mom, she's got an awesome organization. And if you want to help that, you can go to americasmightywarriors.org. Also our friend Micah, he has a, incredible organization taking vets out into the wilderness to to kind of reawaken their soul heroesandhorses.org don't forget you can find us both on twitter on the gram on facebook echoes at echo charles i'm at jocko willink you gotta watch out for that algorithm though. It's gonna try and grab you. You know, another thing, if you wanna come and meet up with us, come to the muster. We have, a, we have an event, the next one's in Denver. So if you wanna come to the muster, you wanna hang out, you wanna meet, you wanna go through some leadership training, once again, go to echelonfront.com, check out events, and come to one of those live events. People ask me like, oh, are you speaking live? And those are, those are the events kind of where I speak live. The muster, the battlefield, um, FTXs, I go to some of those. So check any of that stuff out. And of course, thanks to the military troops around the world, we just went through Memorial Day. And on that day, we remember and memorialize those that made the ultimate sacrifice. And we know that all those who signed the dotted line and swore the oath, made a commitment to make that sacrifice. So thanks to all of you out there who made that oath. And also thanks to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, all first responders, you also signed the dotted line and swear to protect us. And we are grateful for your commitment as well and everybody else that's listening you can't see what you're doing if you're actually watching yourself do it if that's the only thing you're watching is what you're doing you can't see what you're doing you can't see where you're going you can't see the impact that you're gonna have you can only see a few inches in front of yourself and you can't make good decisions when you can't see anything and you can't make good decisions when you're wound up and you're emotional and you can't 
be a good leader or a good person if you're allowing any of those things to happen and a lot of times what's driving that is your ego so don't let your ego get out of control take a step back relax look around and then go get after it and until next time this is echo and jocko out